Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Lethbridge-Stewart clan as they protect the Earth and arrive at episode 411. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Raring to go. <laughs> Raring to go. Raring to go. Don't know if that's a good thing or not. Did you guys have a good week? Yeah. Yeah, I did. What'd you do? I did all kinds of stuff. What'd you? Okay, so break I, it down I, for I, us. I, I knocked several things off my to-watch list and like finished what? them, more importantly, which is what I'm very happy about. So, uh, to start with, Mel and I finished Voyager. Uh, oh. Done with... Uh, you finally watched Voyager. Finally watched Voyager. All of it in its entirety, all seven seasons. And now that I have finished it, I can say that my initial impression was pretty accurate. That, yeah, the show gets better, but uh, it's not... <coughs> rife with problems. And then uh, we actually watched Nemesis tonight. So we're now done with all of the movies. Mel had not seen that one. So. Oh. Uh, what else did we do? We got uh, tickets to the uh, Amazon Prime premiere of Aquaman. We got to go early. How was it? It was cool. <laughs> cool seeing it earlier. The movie was cool. Both. <laughs> Both. I um, I really liked it. I thought it was I thought it was a lot of fun. It is absolutely bonkers. Um, Will described it as Star Wars underwater. And he's not wrong. It's kind of got that epic. You know, I mean, realistically, we all love Star Wars. But when you break it down, Star Wars just, yeah, it's not a very good movie. We just love Star Wars. <gasps> Being it's, honest. It's the hero's tale. Aquaman's no different. But it's just that spectacle. And you're like, okay, cool. And then uh, we finished, well, almost, uh, our Rocky Marathon. Mm. There was one other film that we knocked out. And I don't remember what it was. So, oh, well. We watched The Incredibles 2. And I really liked it. I liked it a lot. Almost at least as much as the first one. Really? Yeah, because we rewatched it a couple weeks ago. And it wasn't quite as great as I remembered it being. But the, I don't. Maybe because we have a little one now, the sequel was even better. Because, like, so much of my enjoyment of it was watching the dad doing the dad stuff more than <laughs> the mom going being the superhero. I really liked that. And then we watched the prep and landing. Specials, which we hadn't actually watched. Yeah, we before. still haven't watched those this year. I can't we really enjoy them. They're so cute. Yeah, you haven't are. seen them? I hadn't seen oh. them. Did you watch the little the little short film? Yeah. Yeah. So you saw the three. Yes. We watched, uh, well, I watched uh, a Muppet, Christ- uh, Muppet Christmas Carol Yay! on the anniversary of its release. That was kind of serendipitous. So I didn't uh, plan that, but it just happened to fall on the same day. But I watched it, and then... Uh, <laughs> I didn't find this out until today, but last night we watched uh, a Muppet Family Christmas because it's kind of that's our family thing. One of one of the things we watch: *Prep and Landing*, a couple other ones, and *Charlie Brown Christmas*. But we always watch a Muppet, Chris, a Muppet Family Christmas every year. And uh, Mason suggested we watch it last night, so we put it in. And I found out today that yesterday <laughs> was the anniversary of the release date. So it's like, well, that's kind of cool. Did you do anything else, Glenn? No, I don't believe that I did. Should we move on to news? Let's move on to news. Only one little bit of news this week. The Big Finish has announced Riversong Series 6, the final chapter. Alex, King, Alex Kingston's done, huh? She's uh, like, if, I've if, done if you believe the title. I ran, I, I've run my uh, six-season contract. I'm done. 
Yeah, like Star Trek Six: The Final Frontier. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, um, but or in five. this in this box set, she's going back to the beginning. So they are encountering the original TARDIS team with Jamie Glover as the role of Ian Chesterton, Gemma Powell as Barbara Wright, and Susan played by Claudia Grant. So these are the Adventure in Space and Time cast that River is going to meet. Okay. That makes much more sense because I saw that uh, young woman standing next to Alex Kingston and I, I, I read just enough of the article to see Susan and look at that woman and go, what? <laughs> but I didn't investigate any further. So that makes more sense to me now that's not. So no word of uh, David Bradley showing up in it though. Everyone but the doctor. That's it for news. Cool. Should we move on to feedback? No. Because there's no feedback this week. What if people wanted to send us feedback? They could send it directly to feedback at com, or if you're on our website, click on the send us feedback tab and it will fill out that form and it will send it directly to us. Cool. Let's move on to our reviews. I want to start with Lethbridge Stewart Lineage. So I have a big synopsis, and I also have individual stories. So let's just start with the individual stories. The Soothsayer by Richard Denick. William Stewart and Mary Lethbridge discover that a mysterious stranger is intent on stopping their wedding and diverting the course of history at any cost. <laughs> it's a good setup for a book like this, I think. Um, it's When I first started reading it, I kind of thought, oh, wait a minute. Does every Lethbridge Stewart or Lethbridge or Stewart <laughs> uh, have some sort of weird, like, attraction to alien or metaphysical? Or, I mean, is this just like a thing that goes through the line? I had and that then I too. sort of thought, I'm not sure what I think of that. It was, it was a cool story. It was a cool setup to get this started and showed the importance of the lineage. I think that's the, the thing is it, 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 it really keystones the the fact that the line is important and but i just i had this kind of in the back of my head like oh, i don't want all of these to be these big supernatural epic fighting alien stories or that's going to be that just seemed a little weird it seemed a little off it seemed like it, uh, forced maybe is the the thing but i enjoyed it and i thought that it did a good job uh, did you guys read the foreword that he wrote about how yeah. he, he he had found out that he's actually uh, related to Lethbridge? So <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but it's a, it's a neat setup for this story. There's I mean not a lot goes on. She, meet, also... she meets some freaky guy, and and I got the impression we we're supposed to kind of it was alluding to someone we should have maybe suspected it was or knew, but maybe not. I, I didn't know if I was missing something by maybe there was a reference to this person, but maybe not. I didn't pick that up okay if there was supposed to be and it wasn't like it it overtly said it just it felt that way to me yeah i thought this was a a, a pretty good setup for how the story or to do a story like or a book like this like you said i and i had the same concerns of oh no no they're gonna be a supernatural element to every single one of these stories or an alien aspect and i i knew from the get-go that if that was the case i was not gonna like it um, but so we'll, I guess we'll, as we step through the stories, we'll reveal what we thought of what happens. Yeah. Very similar thoughts on my end. Um, quite surprised 
I don't know why, but that we would go that far back into the lineage and show how the Lethbridge and the Stewarts got together. I was like, oh, okay. And then the supernatural started. And my initial reaction was, I don't know if I'm happy with this because in a weird way, it would cheapen the Brigadier. That if the whole family's been fighting aliens. Right, or, he's just a long... Un- he's just another guy, yeah. you know? Another person on a very long line. But um, it, was, it was done with enough kick gloves in a way that it was like, okay, that's a little different touch to it. But it was mainly just, you know, as a prologue, it was a setup for things to come. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the Bone Merchants. On the blood-soaked battlefield of Waterloo, Fergus Lethbridge Stewart is a man of integrity and reason, not given to sharing the superstitions of his men until he, he witnesses unearthly lights and the screams of the dead. So then I got to this one and I went, oh, we are going to have a supernatural element to all these. And so then I kind of thought, well, I'll just kind of resolve myself to it because of the fact that this is, I mean, it's the Lethbridge Stewart series. I mean, this is this is a series that we're used to dealing with alien threats and we're used well, to dealing with supernatural elements. We're used to dealing with this kind of stuff. So maybe this is some sort of like connection to the line. This is why Lethbridge Stewart ended up being in the position that he was it wasn't so much just the cards fell into the right place there maybe there's some sort of metaphysical attack attachment to him in order to be oh you know as as i think one of the stories alluded to always be the protectors of the right. uh, of the of the earth but uh, so i kind of resolved myself to this i liked this story too i thought it was interesting that uh, fergus and connell had sort of you know become strange friends i mean they were it wasn't like they were really close and tight and buddy buddy but they had served together for so long that you could tell there was a comfort among them uh just a a really kind of neat bond and friendship that was was you know seemed very surface until the end when he dies and we find out that he actually named his son after one of them but the conversation about uh believing in religion and god and that kind of stuff i thought was kind of uh, a neat little touch in there um, the soldier that stole the teeth, uh, that got a little weird. And then the wisp that kept following him and he thought because he stole the teeth and I, was it, did it imply that the lighter was the, the flint was what was causing yeah, the wisp and not the fact that he'd stole the teeth. That's the impression I got too. And, yeah. and but we didn't really get a got, good like, explanation of what the heck the wisp was no, and what, really what its didn't. connection to the uh, flint was. So because I didn't want it to be supernatural, I assumed it wasn't. <laughs> Since we never got an answer. <laughs> I said, Oh, so they, they teased us with the idea of possibility of having supernatural aspect or alien aspect to it and didn't commit to it. So it wasn't there. <laughs> So what did Fergus see? Because Fergus saw it. Now, if, if some, it had just been the kid there was that some, had seen it, then I wouldn't have had so much of an issue with it because I would have thought, okay, well, it, it's obviously in this guy's head. But both Connell and... Well, Connell doesn't necessarily admit that he sees it. Oh, well, I guess they do because when they chase him, when it chases him, they run after it. And I think Connell makes a comment about it. a reference in there somewhere that made me think that it was just some weird gaseous anomaly. <laughs> okay that that some whatever weird there was some weird gas that was on the battlefield that was being drawn up because every of the, time he liked a flint yeah then why did it chase him because he had the lit 
Didn't he have yeah, it, the lighter the with him the whole time? Yeah, I guess the kid had the lighter with him, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, it was being drawn to the flame. Oh, all right. That's my scientific well, it's, rationale. It's a, but it's also a good way to... It works to make you think you, that you, there's going to be supernatural. You have to think if the Lethbridge's real and the Stewarts had this weird connection to strange things happening to them, that would have been passed down through. But to, But that makes a good point that... Maybe it was a wisp. Maybe it was just gas. And they obviously would have explained it off as a as a unusual gas that was being right. put off. Yeah. And so nobody would have probably thought, told, thought anything it. about it. But yeah. then again, when you're telling that story to your kids, <laughs> you, you're going to embellish that a bit. You think that would pass down. And you think well, at and some point the brigadier would say, you know, my great, great, great grandfather encountered a a a wisp or a wisp or thought he encountered a wisp or supposedly encountered but i mean i know See, you can't when you're world building you can't put it all in there and but. and knowing the lethbridge stewards i would think that the retelling of the story is more about connell or however you say his name i go with connell so connell yeah it's it connell. more about connell on how this is what happened when one of your namesakes you know sat, passed away yeah how yeah. he died and not so much the weird. He was stabbed by a near deserter on the or a right, thief on who the was seeing things on the field, yeah. and even um, Fergus might have you know just written it off as mm, I was seeing things too. Yeah, yeah. See, because the, the problem is that the the last encounter, um, because he, he pulls the. Because he it he makes it come up because he knows it's a tender, yeah. When the spirit appeared, Fergus threw himself down on the ground. The sickly green mist was directly between Fines and himself. The younger soldier fired his musket at the spirit as he surely would. The ball passed through easily to where Fergus was standing, but the shot was never fired. And then he chases him. He's gone off the cliff, etc. And he comes back to Connell's body. The green mist hung there still, but slowly fading. By the time he had arrived, the mist was gone entirely. Fergus gave in to the thought that had been nagging him. He opened his palm and looked at the flint blocks James had thrown to him. It was still unopened. He had not had a chance to light the cigar. Oh, so I the mist shows part. up at the end without the yeah, benefit right. of the thing. You're and it's right. like, well, okay, now I, all of a sudden we're back to a supernatural element I missed to that it. Line. Yeah. Which I liked the story up until that part because now we've got the aha moment, but now we've been given an aha moment to a mystery that you didn't solve. Yeah. Right, and so, so now I feel you know, unsatisfied. And I guess maybe on the base level of it, it was a good story, and maybe we should yeah, it was really, a good story. Maybe we shouldn't be dissecting the fact that you know we kind of feel like the super natural element does or doesn't need to be story. there. Yeah, exactly. So. As I said, I think the point of the story is picking up the name from Connell. the Connell. Yeah. Yes, because apparently I just have a mental block of how to pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> Next. As the sun falls, young idealistic teacher Percy Lethbridge was born into a well-regarded and much-honored family. But soon he learns the true horror that comes with the falling, the failing with comes with failing the family name. Then I got to this one and I thought, "Oh man, what happened to the supernatural element? I'm sure missing it now." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say about this one other than I. I, I got to this one and I thought, if this is what this whole book is, no thanks. <laughs> I struggled with it too, but I appreciated the fact that there's, there was no even attempt at supernatural to it. I like. Well, the, there's I like there's that. a small maybe connecting element with the fact that he 
raged out and smashed the kid with a desk. And this guy obviously uh, wasn't had anger issues. Yeah, well, <laughs> he, he did, but I mean, and you certainly do get bouts of adrenaline and mm-hmm. strain and strange. Uh, but he basically blacked out and smashed the kid with a desk. Yeah. Out of his rage. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that I didn't get about this one is this one felt more open-ended than anything. All the other ones kind of felt like, well, with the Soothsayer's unfair uh, assessment because it does wrap up at the end right. of the book. Um, but, you know, this the, the uh, even though we get left with the mystery of what was the wisp or the spirit, this one... That one actually had kind of, you know, a, a narrative of point A to point B. This one just kind of backwards told us the story of what happened to Percy and how he was uh, dishonored. And then it, it was just a tragic story. You know, it definitely was just and, a tragic and unfortunately story. Unfortunately, it was not his fault. But, I mean, we ended up being disowned by his father. And it just, I, I, it was. But uh, he wasn't. Well, that's no, what, that's, that's he thought tra- he was disowned That's what's by tragic his about yeah, it is yeah. the guy who was supposedly his friend who conned him out of the money just so and then he winds up killing himself two weeks later because he thinks that his father doesn't love him right and his father him. had yeah that was being yeah that was deceived. such yeah a poignant moment it what, certainly was but overall i just thought this this story could have been left out of this because i mean percy's just a great 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 uncle at this point, right. he's not even on the uh, Stuart line. He's not even on the Lethbridge Stuart line. He's uh, Mary's, related to Mary somehow. So, yeah, I mean, obviously they're still related, but he he wasn't. A, he was just a Lethbridge. So, I, not not to put down the importance of that because I think it's 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 good to kind of go outside of the main line, but main lineage of of this. But it just it this one felt a bit out of place and. And if I were to edit the, if I had to edit the book and edit something out, and obviously they didn't need to because right. it was it was a very good length and it paced well. This would have been the one that I would have taken out, but it wasn't needed to take out. So, I think I disagree. I I, I think this one sets up the maths connections. Well, I think it's important for several things. I I think one it it the idea that the Lethbridge Stewarts have always been defending the kingdom. It's, it's kind of challenged by this one. That, no, not all of them have been. There have oh, been yeah. normal guys. In fact, there have been a couple of, you know, Dark Chapters black sheep, if you will. Um, which it, it's kind of daring to say that because, you know, obviously the Briggs never going to tell us this story. Oh, no. He's, he's never going to bring it up. Um, and so it, it, it's kind of refreshing almost to learn that, yes, even the great Lethbridge Stewart has a skeleton in the closet. Okay. Was it necessary? No, but it was uh, just an added layer to the It onion. gives a little bit of flavor to, yeah. the, to the book. I'll give you that. It also, in a way, and this is totally me retconning, makes it, in my mind, plausible for all of these supernatural events to going on with the idea that the great intelligence has become so entwined throughout Lethbridge Stewart's life that perhaps he's influencing things throughout the whole line. I sort of tried to go there with my rationale for and that. And this well. is one of the success stories that, uh, that you know he was able to that that dark rage that came over him and he crushed the kid was where he finally. Well, I hadn't you know, thought had of that him. though too. Yeah. So you know, okay, that 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 worked for me to kind of. Now again, I'm I'm reading way more yeah. than what's I on like, the written I page. I like your but... headcanon there. That's not bad. Certainly makes the story work for me more if I were to accept that. So, 
I mean, his name was Percival, so obviously he was doomed to failure. Oh, now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. Paperman. No, wait, sorry. See, I don't no. have that one. <laughs> no, wait, yeah, Paperman. 13-year-old Alistair Lethbridge-Stewart oh, and his right. mother seem to have moved on from their well, past. Wait, we, are we going to mention that we skipped one? <laughs> oh, there's... Two there we oh we sk- you're right we skipped two yeah the, what's past this prologue and the note and, and and just for our listeners we're we're skipping past these because these were two stories that were released on their own at the beginning of the year that we have already reviewed yes if you want to listen to those you can go back to some of our January shows and we we actually reviewed them back then so we weren't going to touch on them again right unless tomorrow Andy says well do you you should have read it because we made some additions and changes <laughs> in which case Andy I did read them and I didn't notice anything <laughs> but they were good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they were they were good the first and second time around. Yes. So, Paperman. Uh, what happened? I hate to be the guy. The War Romance is the next one I have after what's past his prologue. That is not in my list. What was the War Romance? I can't remember that one. By Harry Draper? Yeah. I Can wonder if this is the same me? one. I think this is the same one. I wonder maybe if the just title changed. 13-year-old Alistair Lethbridge-Stewart and his mother seem to have moved on from their past, only to be haunted by their future. Okay. Yes, maybe. With the paper, with the postman? Yes. I think it's the same one. I think it's just the Goodreads article I found has a different title for it. Well, to be fair, we got a review copy of this, which would That's have true. come before this was actually released, so there could have been a change made okay. before publication. So, mass but, but this is the one where... Um, his friend Raymond, and he, he's obsessed with the Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, good. I want to make sure I'm on the same page, even if it's not the same title. <laughs> I did like the fact that it ties the uh, Rickenbach Falls into the, <laughs> especially James's uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. predicament as well, as well as the thing that happens between him and Ray. But go ahead and read the, or did you read the I did that. Oh, okay. Uh, that was kind of cool. <laughs> I had never paralleled those two the way that this story did, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Not until it came up. And yeah. Then it was like a right. thunderclap of, oh. <laughs> <laughs> James struggling with his own Mer- Moriarty, and then uh, Lethbridge, or Alistair sort of mirroring that, but it was obviously right. a, uh, that this was different in this situation. Kind of, Alistair was sort of the Moriarty in this situation, but. Not purposefully. Um, this is another one that this was one of my least favorite stories in this book. Another this is where we're thing. after reading the uh, uh, the one with Percival, uh, and then this one I kind of thought, okay, this is where this book is going, and I kind of was okay with that. I think my thing about this one is it's written well and it's interesting, and I like the fact that he's having these dreams where he's on. The plane with his dad on these bombing runs, and he's seeing them, and it's this is this does well to sort of put at rest uh, some inner demons that that Alistair's struggling with as, as his father's gone. It also kind of shows us what Mary was going through, having this you know wartime romance while James is off. Or not James, uh, Gordon's off, yeah. you know, fighting in the war. And so I, I, I liked the story. It was good. But it was at this point in the book that I kind of felt like, now, 
maybe I don't want this book just to be a history of the Lethbridge Stewards. Maybe I want a little more <laughs> some to it. excitement. And I it. think having the dream element to it still gives you a little bit of that attachment. It certainly helps now that you've kind of pulled the interweavability of the great intelligence into the discussion here, Sean. But it, this one, again, I could have just left or took. It was, it, was, it was a fine read. It was interesting. But it didn't feel like it added a lot other than what I mentioned about uh, Alistair struggling with, you know, the, his father being gone so soon after his brother or being away so soon after his brother right. had died. And then Mary dealing with this situation in her own way by having a romance with the postman. So I, I thought that was kind of – it was an interesting – addition to this book and i'm glad this one's in there it's not one that i think should have been cut but it it was one that i could kind of give or take and i kind of felt like if the rest of the book kind of goes this route i may not be enjoying this as much as i i had anticipated i continued to appreciate the fact that there was less alien influence in this story but had the aftermath of alien influence so it, it kind of skirted that edge since we had since we knew what happened to james right and seeing the emotional fallout on a young kid i it made me enjoy the story that that's that's the most i could take out of the story really it, it helps that it connects uh, a, a few of the or it connects loosely to forgotten son right in, in, yeah. in, a, in a lot of the backstory that we learned in that yeah. so and, and this just and adds have learned to that. since yeah, then exactly in that time this frame. just sort yeah. of adds to that it um it's it's not a time frame in alistair's life that i've really glommed on to or cared too much about so it's kind of one of those oh okay that was a thing i'm moving on now well i think because we've gone back to it so many times right. in short stories yeah. um it's it's but, not that i don't want to know more about it it's just we feel like we've been there i, I a feel few, like a i know few, enough a few more times i guess yeah. is the thing i i feel like i know what happened and i feel i have a feeling how alistair would react to it I, so it's kind of like a well, okay. I'm I'm kind of done with that time frame. I'd almost right. rather see later when he decides to go into service instead of his original path that he right, wanted to right. take. I seeing that story would almost interest me a little bit more than this story of but I also, him dealing with the fallout. I also suspect that um, the Andy and the and the the guys at Candy Jar Books, the the uh, editorial staff there, I I really kind of feel like they step aside for some of the novels in the past that have alluded to Alistair's service. Right. They don't touch on that too much because and they, they 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 could certainly could if they wanted to. They could do what they want. But I think they certainly step and I may be speaking out of turn here, but I think they certainly stay away from some of the things that's already been established. And I think without having read any of it but just perusing some of the uh, articles, there there's not stories set in those times, but stories that have been written allude to those times uh, yeah. and so i think it's a safe zone to talk about his childhood oh yeah and and, and so i think that's why liberties yeah that exactly yeah. and not yeah. to mention because it connects so much with what happened in forgotten son i think that they, they feel like that's a very good you know uh, uh area to 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 mold and kind of play oh, with so i i think I that's why i don't blame them at I all i think that's why we haven't seen a lot of information of what happened with you know going into the service and that kind of stuff from about you know 16 or 17 up until present, well, uh, well, uh, <laughs> present day in the series, uh, as we, as we, yeah, exactly, seventies or eighties, seventies, eighties. Well, even even earlier than that, I think, because sixties uh, would have been uh, the first. The first book picks up after Web of Fear. So. Yeah, sixty. 
two. Yeah, somewhere around there. No, no later than that, sixty-eight. Yeah. I had I don't know why I had a lot of trouble um, with this one initially for for some reason the the way it was broken up the way it was written something I felt like I felt like I was lost through the first couple of bits it just it, it wasn't gelling for me at all and it wasn't until the postman showed up at the house and Alistair ran off to meet Raymond that all of a sudden it was like oh okay. Was, I, until those things happened, it almost felt to me like these were completely random individual moments, and I wasn't sure they were happening at all in the same time frame, even even though it comes up at the oh. beginning and says this story is set in 1945. I don't know why that was, but that's just the impression. That, well, I, I think because the dreams, the dreams I think so. the dreams start you off because he's he's finished the book, he's gone to bed the first time. That's when he has the the at least we get the recounting of the dream the first time. Um, and then it seems to me that it doesn't happen one more time. No, because then he sees Raymond the next day, and then he has another dream, and then he sees right. Raymond again, and yeah. that's when the, the incident happens yeah. at the top of the uh, cliff. Yeah. But um, once I kind of stabilized, I thought, yeah, this is actually a pretty good uh, pretty good little yarn. And I, I appreciated the, uh, the look back home, because uh, not only did it tie into Forgotten Son, obviously, but we also got uh, a little bit of A Man from Yesterday. So it kind of was oh, the, the, yeah. the, the bridging of the bookends, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you will. So yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. All right. Now, inheritance. Matthew Lethbridge Stewart finds more than he bargained for when he claims the ancestral home in Scotland. This is when the book starts picking back up for me. I, I, I enjoyed the story quite a bit. I like the fact that it it changes the format. It changes perspective. It's now a journal entry from Matthew, right? Well, it's definitely written remember, first person as I opposed remember to... how it was framed. Well, it wasn't written first person. Wasn't this person, one first person? Wasn't this the one? No, I don't think so. Yeah, from the memoirs of the Honorable Matthew. Yeah, but it's not written in first person. Isn't it? I drew up outside and took stock of the house itself. So, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't yeah. remember it being written first person. Okay. So I, I, I liked all those aspects. And I, I thought we were, especially since it was set in the 70s, I thought, okay, here's now the, the alien influence is still going to start cropping up. And it doesn't. I like the fact that it's, it while it is Matthew and it is, you know, it's because, so throughout most of this, I struggle to keep track of how each of these characters is actually connected to Lethbridge Stewart, other than, you know, so having the same name. Matthew would be his uncle. <laughs> right. Okay. So, even though it's his uncle and not a, a main in line directly to him, I, I thought there was going to be a nice alien influence, and then I was pleasantly surprised that there wasn't. That it was what would be uh, Alistair's cousin you know, influencing things and trying to steal out this property. And I, I enjoyed all of that aspect of it. I like the mystery and the intrigue of it all. It certainly lent itself to the idea that we were in for a, a haunted mansion. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. A, a kind of um, a very private haunting feel. Yes, I at thought the, the exact same with thing. The, with the setting. Um, but no, I agree with you. I thought this, it was a, a breath of fresh air. Kind of in a way to it was a palate cleanser that it just kind of like oh we're, we're not in for any of that it's just 
There's just some some dirty family politics at work here. <laughs> and again, kind of like the, the, the Percy story, it kind of showed that not all of the branches of the Lethbridge-Stewart tree bear good fruit. Right. <laughs> well, and it's totally believable that the husband that, uh, what's her face, marries. Violet. Yeah, wants to try to, you know, claim the land and sell it and make money off of it because he sees an opportunity and in that time frame, it's not like most women would put up much of a fight with her husband mm-hmm. over, oh, no, that's my family land, we're not going to do that. It depends, you know, on the situation. But I liked the uh, Countess Scarlioli. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice name drop there. Yeah. She would have been the one purchasing the uh, picture. I very briefly got really super excited, like maybe there was going to be more to that. And then I went, no, of course there's a nail. That's just a... I agree with you what you guys said about this, and I, I sort of feel the same. This is another one that I kind of... I, I wasn't really intrigued by this one um, beyond the fact that it, it, finding out that it was a money grab uh, or a, a property grab. It just... It was one of those stories where this is nice a nice, interesting aside from what's going on here. And I... Th- what I felt was building up to be some sort of big mystery ends up being a little more mundane than I expected it to be. Some of that was a bit of a let let down when we just find out that it's the, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the dirty politics within the, yeah. And, 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 and not even so much that, I mean, it is, it's, it's the son-in-law, but it's also the, the, uh, uh, Butler. He wasn't a Butler, but the, 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 the manor guy. And then, the other guys also, you know, in on it too. Is 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 his accountant is in on it too because, you know, they realize that you know, the the Trying property to keep it afloat. exactly the property's you know insoluble at, at certain point. So, yeah, it was it was again it was one of those like I was like eh, okay, uh, it, it certainly would have been if it hadn't been for this and the one with Percy, I probably would have given the whole book a which we can talk about at the end too, but. I, I gave it four stars. I wanted to give it three and a half, but you can't give. But I didn't feel like three and it, a half was what my. I didn't feel too. like it deserved a three star. I could because there were some really good stories in it, so I went with four. But it probably that's what slid it back to that half point was those two stories just really didn't do it for me that much. But I'm getting ahead of myself because we're not even <laughs> finished with the book. Yet. Well, let's move on to acceptance and then understanding or of the future. <laughs> as my copy comes. <laughs> Lethbridge Stewart. No, I still said that wrong. Connell. Connell Lethbridge. Or I Connell. could be saying it wrong, but I think it's Connell. Connell Wilson knows his grandfather, Sir Alistair Lethbridge Stewart, hasn't long left and so wants to give him the best possible Christmas gift he can. This is my favorite of the stories in the book. Wait. Did you skip one again? You did skip one. I no. Yeah, you skipped the one with Kate. Of the future. That's this one. Kate's in this one. Oh no, that no, she's Kate's not, not this. <laughs> well, she is. She's on the right. telephone with Connell at the end. This list doesn't include that one. Oh, okay. So of the future is. It's one about Kate. <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> That's go out, my synopsis. So, so uh, I'm gonna so go out Kate on the limb. A dude. And Jonathan, say this yeah. is this is Glenn's favorite of the of the band because um, this is the closest related to downtime. Interestingly <laughs> enough, this is not my favorite. But this was this was probably close second. Uh, but it's just it's it's a sure. It, it's certainly just a 
selfish reason because it's connected. This is this is another nugget that's connected to downtime directly. You know, this is uh, Kate meeting Jonathan. Uh, she's presumably pregnant with um, Gordy, and so it's yeah. It just it it came in there. It it really kind boat. of yeah exactly. It kind <laughs> yeah. of cemented also why her relationship with her father is so rocky at the beginning of downtime. Mm-hmm. It's not just because of the things that her mother planted in her head. Well, although they certainly were a factor in that it wasn't just that it's the fact that she did try to connect on a different level with her father and ended up in the middle of a situation that she doesn't know she's necessarily in one of these, you know, quote unquote spy uh, situations that, that is happening with her father. But it really kind of does a, a really neat job of uh, cementing that opening to, well, not opening, but the fact that in downtime she's got such an abrasive relationship with him and does not want him to see his grandson and so that actually made downtime work even better and he didn't need to make downtime work any better for me but it did it just it elevated it a bit more so i thought that was a really really neat perspective on that and just to give a little bit of back more back story to kate i think is a neat yeah i think a neat touch i think it kind of helped flesh out kate a little bit more and i don't know about you guys but for me a little bit kind of connected the dots between new who and downtime who or downtime Kate. For for some reason I could imagine Jim I think just Red, because Jim she was Redgrave. studying science. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think so, it's ultimately so that, the that only thing. That links me a little bit more to the Kate we see in downtime as opposed to new who Kate. I'll buy that. This uh, this is Andy doing what Andy does best. Andy taking those desperate threads that are not really meant to be tied together and going, Oh no, no, I can tie those together. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. making it work because uh it did. It, it really, uh, when we watched downtime, it was such a, well, yeah, okay, I guess. I can kind of make that work. And now Shut it, up, it worked really well. <laughs> and, and, and now it feels like, no, it totally works. By the way, I just ordered, or I just ordered, I just got my copy, my DVD copy of downtime in the mail. I didn't realize until now, it's region free. Oh, I thought you knew that. No, I had no idea until now. I was waiting to see if they'd release one in the U.S., Finally got on Amazon and thought, oh, what do I have to do to... Wait a minute, region free? What? <laughs> you probably told me that one time, but I had forgotten. And how many times have you watched it? No, I haven't yet. <laughs> I, I want it fresh in my mind because I'm going to be doing a be doing a thing next month with it. So I want to get it... I want it fresh in my mind when I do it. So, Although this does... I don't know. I, I do have a question, and, and maybe it's just my failings at not knowing how the official secret acts official secrets act works um that she's there and he says i can't tell you you know that's that's kind of the excuse anytime we don't want to tell somebody something well i can't tell you right but then later in life he tells everybody everything (laughs) i mean he's got the grandkids on his knees well one time i was being chased by a slovene and uh, well you just get the you say everybody everybody (laughs) it's it's connell and lucy really who he tells and 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 and, and ultimately i think it's because it's at the end of his life and he realized what what consequence could there certainly is that what it is is just the brigadier and i want to and i want to finally pass these stories on to to the two people that are there i you know i love the most so because obviously um uh, uh albert's not 
<laughs> well, and wait, something has happened that's that obviously we still didn't get much out of that until but. the incident in the first novel. Lucy just assumes there are fun stories that he makes right. up. Well, Connell does real. even to a point, alluding to it in the next story we're going to talk right, about as yeah. well. And so that they just assume they're made up stories, not real actual stories. Yeah. But yeah, no, I liked this a lot. I thought this was this was good and. Uh, um, uh, again, just it's it's another the it's unlocking another piece of the puzzle, and I, and I really enjoy that. And I think this of all the stories in here really does a nice job of that. So oh yeah. All right, now acceptance and then understanding, which I had already read the synopsis for. <laughs> right, now, this is the one with Connell, and yes. he's struggling. Well, he, he wants uh, that. That was the the best part of this story is the fact that. This is a kid that wants to take on his grandfather's name. He wants yes. to pass on the the, 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 the the legacy. He wants to continue the line. And and even though he's got cousins that have the, 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 the name and will continue the line, he wants to do this for his grandfather. And I love this, and I love the whole the interchange of it and the fact that we're getting he and Dean's relationship early on. And then, you know, they're two months in. They're always talking about kids and marriage and stuff like this. And... He 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 wants to go show his grandfather what he's done. What he's continuing the name, and it and and you know Dean says no. I, you know I don't want to go with. He asks Dean to go with. He said no. I don't. I shouldn't go with him because you know. And and he's they're kind of on that skirting on that. He's he's an older generation. We don't necessarily want to, you know, bridge that. You know, who we're a couple kind of thing now. For it to turn into that's what it is. Him, you know sharing a part of his life with his grandfather grandfather, that was just i loved that that i was i was i I was literally welling up with tears (laughs) (laughs) reading this just all the way through it it was just so such bittersweet ending where he gets the license yeah yeah alistair had already passed away but i think it certainly illustrates that i think that the more important thing was that he that he told his grandfather about his sexuality, about yes, his lifestyle. Absolutely. I think that ultimately was more important than uh, continuing a line. And it is a bit bittersweet that he wasn't able to share that with him. But I think that was a nice capstone on the fact that, you know, there sometimes he could, it's alluded to sometimes you have your secrets and this is a secret that stayed with him. Unfortunately, even though he was right. going to tell him, it just, it was, it was a neat little turn. Sometimes you choose to keep your secrets and other times you don't get that choice. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought that that was, I thought that was a neat statement on it. I thought it was a neat statement on the character of the brigadier, how somebody of that advanced age that is not, did not grow up in an era like we are now in order to be, it just was, it was, he, he, he admitted that it's hard for his mind to, uh, uh, understand it, but it didn't, he didn't need to understand it because it's something that, you know, right. is, it's the choice for the, the, the person, the individual. And that's, what's most important. And I think it's just, this spoke volumes of the character of, of Lethbridge Stewart. I think that, that it was really well delivered. It was so good. This, this one was my favorite. Yeah. So, mine yeah. too. For everything you said, plus the little quasi cameo in the middle of it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the other cool thing is that now we know how the doctor learned, or the doctor, how uh, Lethbridge, well, we know the events that led up to uh, Lethbridge Stewart learning about the uh, face change or the, the sex change of the doctor. Yeah. Because we had the little. Uh, uh, small thing that that uh, yeah that little one page oh <laughs> i 
that's all right. Little dog spit doesn't gonna hurt me. Um, <laughs> the little one page that, that Andy had written when the announcement was made, and to, for me that would have been enough. Oh yeah. But then to include a little more, kind of embellish that a little bit more in this story, I thought it was cool. And I got the impression, although it's not completely stated, that. She materialized right there in Connell's room, right? Delivered the message personally to oh, yeah. Connell's to take to Lethbridge Stewart, right? Yeah, that's yeah. the impression I got, too. I if not in the room outside. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Because he got. heard the wheezing, he went out to see. So it's not yeah. like he saw her materialize and take off. But right. yeah. but that was cool. That was yeah, really cool. That was really cool. And the doctors, or the doctors, although we knew the brigadier's acceptance of that, too, was very. Yeah. This was my second favorite story of the bunch. For all those reasons that you said, it was just—it was beautifully written. It was uh, a touching story. It was a little bittersweet. I too welled up a little bit. Just, uh, just so well done. Well, let's move on to the last one: the Arcade of Doom. This is the best one ever. <laughs> While visiting the local arcade, Lucy and Hobo stumble upon a monster from the classic era of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's an ass just goes boop to the punch. Because to be quite honest, I didn't know what it was until no, it showed I, even up. when it talked about the spike stuck out, sticking out I the wondered top, as soon as it I, said the spike, I, I thought, didn't even get that. Cork? It wasn't until the thing started cork. coming to life that I went, it's a collapsed quark. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this was Keith's second favorite story. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, definitely. This this book ended on two very high notes. <laughs> this book ended on three very high notes for uh, me because this was would have been if if I if I had to put the Kate Stewart in the uh, second place, this was the close, nearly tied for second uh, story in this that I enjoyed as well. And it, I, this one I didn't think I would. I thought the Lucy Wilson mystery that we read, the first one, was a good story. It was a fun story. But I hadn't, I haven't fallen in love with Lucy and Hobo yet. I haven't. And we, part of that's because we haven't, we haven't read enough. We've only line. read one book. We've read one book, and it was good. It was an enjoyable book. But also, we are stepping aside now into a different series that's just, you know, you know, laterally connected to the Lethbridge. It's like series. Sarah Jane Adventures to yeah, Doctor yeah, yeah. Who. So. Delving into this one was like, okay, here's a Lucy Wilson story. Let's see what happens here. And then I was like, he was like, wow, <laughs> this is got, it's got a cork. It's got an arcade. It's got my childhood. I mean, basically it's, it's now, but he, they're describing, <laughs> they're describing an arcade as, you know, the perfect arcade. And I agreed with Hobo on every one of those points. And the fact that he's playing a classic Pac-Man game and that he, you know, he reveres the Pac-Man game so much. I thought this is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, not to mention that she ducks behind a uh, uh, a uh, version of Gauntlet. <laughs> oh no 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 no! The best part: Blue Elf needs food badly. <laughs> oh, there's a claw machine and a coin game. Oh yeah, it, was, oh, it hits all of the stuff. the arcade high notes. And fruit machines, which <laughs> fruit machines. he's never liked. Yeah, that, that, fruit that was the best yeah. part. Is, that, as fruit soon as he said, those, those, you know, machines. those are slot machines. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Because they don't require any skill. And he was never any good at them. And I didn't go with slot machines. I went with, oh, those are like those coin machines that Glenn and Holly play. Yeah, no. They, 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 That's they, what he's talking they, about. Their fruit machines are actually like one-armed bandits here. So. Oh, okay. Yep. No, but there's they, and I think if I remember right, I could be confusing it with something else. There's a reference to those those coin push machines too, 
Um, but they're called something different too. And, and I, I read it and thought, I think that's what those are. But then the fruit machines are actually like slot machines, what we call here. Well, they got blown up, whatever, oh, yeah, whatever everything they called. Up. And I was like, everything, ah! everything in that arcade got blown up except for the Pac-Man arcade. Right. <laughs> but I, I love the fact that the Quark wasn't actually evil. It was had been reprogrammed. Yes. By and so I'm excited to find out where that comes yeah, from because exactly. that was cool. So it, it subverted my expectations of, oh, this Quark is going on a rampage. How are they going to stop it? Oh, they don't have to because it's actually, you know, it d- didn't mean to destroy everything, but it was in its last mode and needed new orders. And the, I, I love that fact. The cool thing about it, too, is the fact that we set it up and we're making this big deal about Lucy having a cold to the point where we're changing the words so that we understand that some of the words she's saying that you as you do with a cold. And I come thinking, why are you driving home the point that she's got a cold? And it's not until she sneezes on this thing and it registers her DNA that it realizes that she is a descendant and qualified to give the order. I thought, oh my gosh, that was so cool because I was annoyed with the fact that she had a cold. Now I'm like, glad she had a cold. <laughs> It totally worked for the plot. Yeah. Yeah, this, this one was... I mean, you can make me a believer out of quirks. For Pete's sake, it must be good. True story. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a quirk, it's a good story. What do you want? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun Fun to have a uh, classic villain in it as well. Yeah, was, a, gr- a great way to end the book. Yeah. But it didn't end the book because... Oh, it's true. Because the soothsayer returns for a wrap-up. <laughs> Which I thought was cool. In fact, it bookends the the uh, the, the story really well. And it, it put me in a mind to... If the end of this would have been paced with the first part of this, it would have been a much better story. Because the first one works well as a setup, but you don't get any sort of, there's no action. There's not, there's no conclusion to it. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing really to glom on to other than, Oh, this is a quaint little setup to how these books work. And it, and it does, it works well for what it is. Then you get to the end and the resolution of it and her steadfastness and the fact that William finally breaks in and, 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 you know, comes, tries to come to the rescue. Obviously he did need to protect. (laughs) (laughs) What was the, the, uh, quits, uh, whatever the the thing's name, Gail, 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 you you know, I did need to protect Gail from you. And I, I thought that was a cool callback, but had those been placed together, it would have been a big, a better story. But then when I got to the end, I read this. I went, "Oh no, this is the perfect bookend." Because now, because right. I was thinking, oh, "Why wasn't why couldn't this have been exciting earlier?" Oh, because especially since they start off with her seeing Lucy and Lethbridge Stewart in her vision that she's seen. Because yeah. we didn't get Lucy in the beginning; we just got Lethbridge Stewart. You know, uh, the vision of him and Lenny Why? Why is this man important? And that's obviously what what uh, allows her to sort of break the the concentration or the, 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 the uh, uh, grip that it has on her. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, wow, this is this was a great way to book in these stories, to come back to this and, and show the resilience of, of, of William and Mary. William and Mary. Uh, and, and why it was important for them to get together. And yes, the whole line has always in some way been defenders of the, right. of, of the world, of the earth. So I thought that... It was a neat capstone for this whole series, or for this whole anthology of stories. I would agree. 
And then I think overall, as far as the book goes, it's it wasn't a book I was excited to read just because when I want to read a Lethbridge Stewart story, I want it to be about Alistair. I wanted it to be about the brig. And I just could not find myself to get excited about uh, starting the book. But as I read it, I had my ups and downs. But overall, I enjoyed it and thought they were all very well written. Yeah. It's a fairly easy read, too. Oh, yeah, it was quick. They're short enough that, you know, you can break it up and you don't feel like you're bogged down on anyone. Yeah, it was literally yeah. only 120-some pages. So. Yeah. So, um, when Mary gives uh, Gail what for, and she says... Uh, I am Mary Lethbridge. My son will be the firstborn Lethbridge Stewart, a lineage that will protect this realm for generations to come. And no starborn trickster is going to prevent that. That's what made me wonder if there was an. That's what it was. That's what made me wonder if it was alluding to a. The the other thing we have to be cognizant of is there is a wealth of Doctor Who material, and some of these names were were have been said before in books outside the series in the actual uh, main range of books and so as i was saying earlier andy's been really good about leaving legacy exist you know they could have totally you know star wars to this and came in and said okay all that's passed doesn't count anymore and all this (laughs) and and it, it, it another testament to that fact is the fact that they that that uh, Andy has looped in downtime right. in with this, which I think was a cautious uh, a thing starting out with this because downtime certainly did sort of contradict some things, especially the novelization, which I think still does. And I think we, we still have to set that one aside, but uh, downtime sort of contradicted some things that Andy wanted to do with it. And as uh, Sean alluded to, Andy <laughs> starts to see a thread and goes, Oh, wait a minute, I can connect this. And yet he's done that. And so I think one of the things that we have to realize that coming to this as Lethbridge Stewart people and not having read the wealth of books, I wonder if there are nods and mentions back. In fact, there was one thing I was going to um, chide Sean about, which was when the, when Lethbridge Stewart talks about meeting the uh, sixth doctor and oh. uh, last time that he saw him, he was in a patchwork, patchwork coat that somebody would have been proud of. And right. I immediately, after I finished that, I had to message Andy and say, okay, for anybody that hadn't listened to uh, Spectre Lanyon Moore, did you just canonize Dimensions in Time? <laughs> <laughs> and he came back and said, no. He said, because... He met him in business and uh, business unusual, which is one of the main range, or not main range, uh, but one of the one of the books in the book series. And so then I, I was like, oh darn, because <laughs> I, I I was good. I I said, you know, I, I it was one of those things I was kind of chide uh, Sean with, and 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 he said, no, actually though, uh, some writers have. Uh, loosely connect this time so i can't wait till we get to those so that i can pick on you that that's all part of canon now so <laughs> my 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 first thought was oh, no oh wait landing more i'm safe <laughs> i instantly thought landing more 
the mentions in sign never even I crossed did, my mind. I did too think Lanyon's more. And then I went, oh, wait a minute, though. If you hadn't listened to any Big Finish. Or if he'd said next to a helicopter, then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to eventually run into some more uh, skirmishes with uh, Dimensions in Time as canon. But I just <laughs> thought I brought that up. But I'm no, wondering I... if this was meant to be the trickster from Sarah Jane. Or Maybe, I, but they I... don't describe him that way no, because really he's certainly don't. characterized. Uh, and, and and I get the impression he's dead now. So it, it yeah, did, yeah. He, this whatever this was, it was the end of it. I mean, obviously you can figure out ways. Every it's sci-fi, anything you, comes you know, back. I mean, everything comes back. Davros has come back five or six times now. So uh, we've seen him die. from certain death. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we've seen the master get burned to death. Eh, he's back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. But uh, no, and it it's. Just, I, I, I really appreciate what uh, what they're doing over there at Candy Jar and Andy, especially how they've they've just made everything be very inclusive, even yes. if it's even if it's uncomfortable things that or things that didn't necessarily go their way. One example would be Archibald and and, and Andy right. stepping in and, and saying, "Well, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make this work, and I'll patch it up." And I think that that's a testament to. Uh, him knowing what came before and wanting to make everything work in 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 an entire broad world, it's not all going to work perfect. And sometimes you you kind of you fiddle things and and you ignore little things. But I think overall, he's done a really good job of keeping the universe basically canonized, in my opinion. And I think oh, it, yeah. it, he's made it work really well. And I'm still so excited for downtime too. So <laughs> anyway. Uh, I, again, I wish I, I wish I could have given it about three and a half because a few of the stories slid it back for me. But uh, overall, it's a good book. It's a good set, and it, it it ends with a bang. I just the last three stories were certainly my favorite of yeah of the bunch. So three and a half is a good score for it. I went on on my Goodreads. I went it's better than average, the... right? It's better than average score. Yeah. Three and a half. Yeah, average would be two and a half, right? Yeah, two and a half out of five. Yeah. In my Goodreads, I went three just because some of the other earlier ones I just did not enjoy as much. Very good. Well, should we move on to the comics now? Let's. The Doctor regenerates into her most thrilling incarnation yet, played by Jodie Whittaker and traveling alongside three brand new companions. Experience mind-blowing challenges and dynamic adventures through space, time and space right alongside the Doctor and her friends. A new series for a new era on the TARDIS from an astounding creative team. That's pretty much it. That's the synopsis that they they gave me. So you guys go ahead and have fun talking about these. Yes, I did read them. This is not an excuse to get out of it, but I refuse to review these because Sean once again stepped me into a story that I'm about to review that isn't done yet. Who knows how long it's going to go, though? Um, Sean was against scheduling these. Oh, it wasn't Glenn that wanted to schedule. Yeah, no. because we, we were told we we need to really get some Titan comics on there since the Thirteenth Doctor's out. Let's review the first two. No, I think I want wanted to get zero, and then I thought we could do one a week along with it. But now I'm going to do two. And then I'm going to have to wait another two and a half months before we continue this story. I'm probably not so, talking about it. We so just end the show. Here. I am not talking about these stories. You guys, you wax lyrical about the stories. You, you let me know what you think. I, I can't tell you what I think about them until I'm done with the full storyline. So. 
I'm pretty sure I've been on record as saying I prefer to do them in story chunk. And that Glenn didn't want to do five comics at once because he felt like it was just too much. I don't think, I think you're on record I'm, with that. I'm, I'm we always talk to, about that stuff between I'm the pretty sure behind that's the on, scenes. Uh, I have to go back and listen. I'm pretty sure. No, I like to do them in the nice little three-story arcs that they, they tend to do. Whatever the arc length is, really. Yeah, see, that's the kicker about this is they're going to finish this little small interlude storyline because obviously there's there's a full season arc they do that we know they do that there's always a theme that runs through them but they always seem to do kind of the the the, the smaller arc mini stories arcs. yeah mini yeah. arcs in threes and we inevitably either do two or we do five and we're always right in the <laughs> right in the middle of one that, that we cut off and i'm like this is uh, no more it's been a couple of years since we've done it that way yeah the last several, the last whole year at least. No, there was did, one last. There was one last year that we did a volume, or we did uh, we did a volume, and then plus two like the following week. Well, that's because of dimensions, and we dumped in the middle of one. Yeah, <laughs> it's because they broke it up weird. No, I agree. That wasn't your fault. Course, they did break that one up. <laughs> I'm just saying this is this is the second time in like six months this has happened. So, what'd you guys think of this story? What do you guys think of? The, I can't wait to see how. It how, ends. how do you want to do this? I mean, that's just it. We could review the first book and then we review the second book. To me, they're 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 kind of one the part of the they're, whole book, especially since there's a big cliffhanger at the end of each yeah. one of them. Well, instead of talking about the individual issues, let, let's save that for when we do get to an actual. I'm being a little facetious story. here. I think we could talk, but I think we can talk about the comic. And, yeah, we can talk yeah, about absolutely. the fact that um, uh, the gorgeous artwork. Jody Hauser, who's the writer really has nailed the she voice has of the captured, characters. Yes, oh, she has yeah. captured. Yeah. That makes me wonder, too, how much for uh, leading up to this did she get? Did she, Was she able to see episodes before these? They before obviously she had to have these? something because they got the TARDIS perfect. They got the TARDIS perfect. The, you know, the, the characterization. Gorgeous, the character, that's just it. And as, as Sean said, the voice is there. And in fact, I thought that it wasn't going to be because the first time that the that uh, Grant refers to the doctor, he says, hey, doctor. And I thought, oh, I'm so used to him saying, hey, doc, that I thought, oh, you, you really missed a beat doing that. And it, then later he refers to her as doc. And I thought, well, surely, I mean, in a, in a get her attention situation, he's going to say doctor. Yeah. He does the first time. And then the second two alludes to her mention of her name, he calls her doc. And I thought, OK, you've that. That's a small, minute little thing that was very important to me to capture Grant in, in, oh, in yeah. his story and get get his voice. I think uh, Ryan's mannerisms are very much captured in this, which is really hard to do in a comic book. But his mannerisms, and I think uh, Yaz's uh, taking charge in authoritarianism or in an authoritarian role uh, is is certainly uh, exhibited here. It's maybe not. As noticeable as the little nuances with Not Grace Bryant, prominent, but but giving her that element, I think, really worked, and uh, her her portrayal in the comic is is very much in line with the way yeah. Yaz is in the in the series, and I even even little, and I thought it got a little heavy handed, but even. Uh, the doctor's little uh, where she'll say something and she'll say, well, maybe not exactly, but yes, but certainly this way. She does that. She does it in the series. She does it a couple times in the book. And I, I, I was flipping through here trying to find one of those examples, but I couldn't find it. But uh, she does that where she kind of she'll say something assuredly and then she'll back off a little bit and say something a little less assuredly. And then she'll say and then she'll kind of correct it, you know. 
and she does that in here. So she's she certainly got that too. But there, yeah. it has happened kind of close together where I felt like maybe it was the second was a little forced. But mm-hmm. uh, overall, the, the I, I, were... I enjoyed these two issues so much that each time when I got to the end, I was disappointed there wasn't more. Yeah, I, 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 I just want to keep reading. Well, I, I want to know what happens. I blew through these. I read these both issues in less than twenty minutes. I mean, that's just I just blew through them because they were. So what, what's good. also amazing is they don't only have the characterizations down; they have the feel of the season down. I would agree. The pacing of the season and the plot points of the season that they're taking more time to develop the characters. Yep, I would agree. And letting the plot kind of take its time is fantastic. I, I can't say enough praises about the issues. I enjoy, I enjoyed every single second of every single frame. Well, and in some ways, better than the live action show is doing. When the doctor says, "Well, you're police," because right? you don't see you're your an pants authority very figure. Often? They look like the type who like authority. So, oh my God, we've given Yaz something to do that's within her wheelhouse. Oh yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh my, yeah, let's do some of that. So, and you uh, can tell it so early on in their run that she's so off kilter and not sure how to go about it, but then she finds her feet so well, mm-hmm. proving that Yaz is such a good character. Here's an example of what I was talking about and how uh, the doctor has these little things. Which when uh, Yaz asks, "Are we safe out in the open like this?" And the doctor says, "Of course, maybe." Probably not. Th- those kind of things. And those are things right. that Jody T- brings to the, the character when she does it. And the way she does it in, in the, in the uh, series is so good that when I read her do it, when I read the doctor do those in the book, I hear it completely. In the, oh, yeah. Just not even in the, the voice of Jody Whittaker, but in the tempo and the pacing that she does them with. And I, I thought to do that on paper is really, really well done. Yeah. Agreed. Graham had several of those moments, too, where he would say, oh, what's with this guy? You said he was dangerous. He looks like just an ordinary bloke. Right, Ordinary exactly. blokes can't be dangerous? Yep. Fair point. Fair point. And it yeah, sounds that was like a Graham line very that much he would back Graham off line. of that. Right. So the, uh, you know, the, the, the writing, I feel like, is very, very much on point. The artwork is bright. It is vibrant. It is it's phenomenal. Really well done. The characters look like the characters. I think that uh, the, 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 that would be one of the uh, challenges that's needed is the fact that you're going to have to do, at least for the first few comics, you're going to have to do some really good artwork. And the reason means because visually on television it's been done so well yeah. that you want to, if you're going to match that tone and feel of what's happening on TV, you really kind of have to go the extra mile with the artwork as well. And I think that I, I think it'd be forgiving if we they you know the the art became a little more simplified later in the season. I think it'd be okay in the run. I don't think they need to keep up this you know because there's there's probably a lot of effort in the many colors that they're using and the in the fine uh, details and the lines that they're using. So sometimes you're okay if if an artist maybe comes along and. and doesn't quite get there. I, I, I'm a little more forgiving, I think, often than you guys are. But I think to start out the series, they had the right artists doing this oh, because yeah. you really needed to yeah, capture absolutely. that feel. Um, I'm really intrigued about these uh, uh, scientists that were working to invent, you know, tor- uh, <laughs> what they call them, temporal science, and and uh, they they invent these crude uh, uh, vortex manipulators and pretty much end up in the wrong place <laughs> uh, so i'm really interested to, to see what, yeah what I'm, this guy's and i'm really interested to see where that story is going and i also like the inner the intertwining of their backstory 
of how we start out seeing him stealing something and the awkwardness of the fact that the alarms are going off and there's like a, a, a video camera and and she's like, you know, have those those haven't been invented yet. And he says, I'm like, well, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I did 1999 <laughs> instead of 1899. And I thought that that's kind of that's that's a funny little, you know, setup. But then as these characters go along, the 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 tone changes because you find out that there this isn't, you know, a couple of bumbling bandits these are guys that are being forced scientists, to steal stuff yeah. and they're scientists and then later to have the big uh, finale of these two with the guy uh, that they've pulled out of the uh, time loop pull the gun on them obviously he's up to something now as well and so i'm really intrigued by the two characters that they've introduced there's even the Me red too. herring at the beginning that they're introduced kind of in silhouette and we get the maybe I'm in the wrong year joke. And then one of the other, he, he calls him doctor. Right. Yeah. So we're kind of led to believe that, Oh, maybe this is it, but it's not. Um, as far as the ending where he's, you know, we're in the TARDIS, he pulls a gun on him and I need your ship. It's like, well, I guess when we get to issue three, we will find out if this is an instance of an actual genuine plot continuance or if this is a convenient capture and escape, because if the state of grace gets brought up, then it's going to be a very temple easy grace, yeah. or temple grace. It'll be a very easy out for them. I to, think. Uh, it, right. I think it, this being. I, I suspect that this is a three part mini arc, and I suspect that that's going to be used because <laughs> we're at the third act. Well, you don't have a lot of time to uh, deal with the fact that they've, they've got a gun pulled on them, uh, basically uh, uh, holding them hostage. I think we're going to fix that real quick and go, well, you can't fire that in her anyway because of Temple Grace. So. I like what they're doing with it. I think it's going well. And, and, and I obviously was just kidding about not reviewing these. I think, <laughs> I, th- I, I think it's, a, it's a good start to the series. It's got me intrigued and I'm ready to keep going with these comics. It's going to be a... And look a, how easy it would be to do these one a week as they or one a month as they came out. I think it's going to be a, a comic that even if uh, we don't review it when I get it, I'm probably going to read it. Yeah, I, I, I so kind of thought the same thing when I get the third episode or third episode, the third issue. I'll probably go ahead and read it and then reread it whenever uh, we review it. Yeah, six. I reread issue one because we were going to do it a while ago and I didn't. So I remember you said that, <laughs> and I still reread it. I enjoyed it just as much the second time. How frustrated would you be when you know? Lo and behold, oh, I, I read it and. Now I gotta wait a month before the next one comes out. See, but then I can. Re-read I grew it. up reading comics, Sean. That's how. I, that's how comics are supposed to be. Not read four or five not your and then wait. Society. Yeah, not, <laughs> not wait six months to read the next four. I like mainline. That's like that's like watching Doctor Who one year and having to wait an entire year and a half to watch the next season. I Even mean, though they've been coming out as wait. they air. <laughs> yeah, I'm still angry. <laughs> All right, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? All right, I'm going to go ahead and give you a breakdown because we've decided to uh, revamp a few things and I will get a corrected or new schedule posted for you. Wait, um, you've changed things? I've changed a few Why things. was I not notified of this? That's you were. not allowed. <laughs> uh, next week. You were. He just simply says, you were. You were. <laughs> <laughs> next week, we're doing a Lost in Time special on the Celestial Toymaker. Uh, so we will be tackling the recon episode and the novelization of that. We will be doing a pair of big finish stories for our special Christmas uh, episode, which are not on the schedule, but will be. 
and that is uh, O. Tannenbaum and the Little, Little Drummer, Drummer Boy. Boy. In reverse order. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Whatever order you want to listen to. <laughs> Uh, and I can't recall off the top of my head which uh, short trips uh, season those are from. But Otanimov is 7.3. Little Drummer Boy was a short trip that was a special release in 24 with the one of the main range stories. Uh, or two of the main range stories. You could get it with either one of the two main range stories uh, if you were a subscriber. So. Uh, I believe it's a, included in the rarities box. Rarities, that's rarities. what it is. Short chip rarities, that's the one. So that will actually be treated as a kind of a side trip. That's a special bonus episode. Uh, and then we will, of course, be doing the new um, uh, New Year's special for our New Year's episode. Uh, and then originally the schedule has uh, some 8th Doctor Big Finish audios to start off the new year. And we're going to kick over and instead do the third uh, batch down for the year, which will be some Seventh Doctor stuff. Um, we're going to listen to Big Finish number 109, The Death Collectors and Spider Shadow, as well as the recent Titan Comics miniseries, Operation Volcano. And the reason for that change will be revealed very soon. soon. Very soon. Um, so we're basically just going to flip those two shows to um, accommodate this uh, special announcement that we can't make yet but we will soon but we will soon. soon very soon anything else we need to talk about this week fellas before we close this show it's gotten rather long i don't think so all right well that's gonna do it for this week until next week i'm glenn i'm sean i'm keith cheers good night everybody be seeing you thanks for listening we and, can say it together and, it's okay and thanks for, for it's okay we ready we'll do it together okay one two three Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Oh, why do I bother? <laughs> you have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.